You know, when we were in school, we used to take a multiple choice test or a, a fill in the blank test, sometime a, a true false test. And so I want to give you a true false test today, but it only has one question, and the question is a, is a sentence, as you would expect. So here is the way we're going to start this sermon today. And I want you to look at this. It'll be on the screen. I want you to think about it, and then I want you to answer true or false. Now, you ready? if you're ready for this, say, I'm ready. Okay, I want to know that you're ready. Are you ready? You ready? Okay, I don't know that you're ready, so I don't know how this is going to be. But here is the sentence. Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. You believe that? True or false? True. That is not a trick question. That is a simple, straightforward question. That is the gospel in a nutshell, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross to pay for our sins. Why? Because the payment for sin is death. He shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. He never sinned. We all sinned. His death washes our sins away. He was buried, but three days later, Jesus came out of that grave. I mean literally, bodily, physically, Jesus walked out of that grave tomb. Now, we all agree with that. If we were looking at a list of things we believe about God, we believe in the virgin birth, we believe in the Bible, we believe in the resurrection, yes, yes, yes. But friend, I want to say this today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a fact to be believed. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a truth to be applied. Now think about that. It's not, it is a fact, but it's not just a fact, not just something you check off and say, yes, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. We all believe that. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a truth to be applied to our lives on a daily basis, especially when we find ourselves in a hopeless situation. And so I want to ask you to do something today that I doubt very seriously any preachers are asking their churches to do today. On Easter Sunday, most pastors or preachers are saying, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians or to one of the Gospels. We're going to study the resurrection. I'm going to ask you today, do something different. Open your Bible to the book of Job. How's that for an Easter scripture? The Old Testament book of Job, because if anybody ever had a hopeless situation, it was Job. And yet, as Job looked to the future, as he, even in Old Testament times, contemplated the reality of the resurrection, it changed his perspective on what he was going through in his life. And so today, we're going to be thinking about how we can face hopeless situations by applying the truth of the resurrection to whatever it is that we're going through. And I want to just say this before we get into this sermon today. In all of my life, I have never had an experience quite like I had two weeks ago. I've never had this. I had a dream one night that on Easter Sunday, I was supposed to preach from, John, from Job chapter 19 and verse 25. I've never had this experience. In a dream, I saw myself preaching a sermon out of the book of Job chapter 19, and it was like God said, it's different. You've never done it before. Maybe nobody's ever done it before. Congregation probably never heard a sermon on Job on, on Easter, but this is the sermon that I want you to preach today. And so I want to just say that out front to say that in my heart of hearts, if I have ever stood here feeling in my heart that I have a word not from me, but from God to you, this is from God to you through me. I'm just the instrument in this, but I believe this is God's word to all of us today, how to handle hopeless situations by focusing on the resurrection. So let's look at our verse, Job chapter 19 and verse number 25. Now notice what Job says in the first half of this verse. He said, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Now let's just think about that. 
for I know that my Redeemer lives. Now, when Job said that, there were a lot of things in his life that he did not know. And for those of you here today who are familiar with the story of Job, you know some of the things he went through and some of the trouble he had. Others of you here today, you've never heard of Job. Who is Job? What, what is the Old Testament? You know, you don't, this is all new to you. And, and so I want us to think about some things that Job did not know. I was home Friday night, and I got thinking, God, Job at this point in his life, in Job 19, gave the high watermark, the highest expression of faith that he ever gave. And probably this passage of Scripture is the highest expression of faith in all of the Old Testament. And yet when Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, there were a lot of things Job didn't know. And so I got a piece of paper, and I just started writing out things that Job did not know, and I came up with a list of 17 things Job did not know when he wrote this. And I thought, wow, 17. I need to memorize all these so I can just say it to the people, and I'll be honest with you, I love you, but I could not memorize 17 things. And so I just want to read this to you today. I can do it quickly, but think about what he didn't know when he said he did know that God was alive. He, he didn't know, for example, why his life had fallen apart. He did not know why, that he was being attacked by Satan and tested by God. You see, when we study the book of Job, we read the whole book. We know what's happening. We know that Satan went to God, and they had this conversation about Job, and God gave Satan permission to, to rattle Job's uh, chain and to, and, and to cause Job some problems in his life. We know this spiritual battle, but Job didn't know that. He didn't know why he lost all of his property. He didn't know why his ten children were all killed on the same day. Job didn't know why he lost his health. He didn't know why his wife turned against him and told him to curse God and die. At his lowest low, that was his wife's advice to him. He didn't know why his friends were being so critical of him and so judgmental towards him. He didn't know how his story would end. He didn't know that at the end of it all, God would give him twice as much as he had before. He didn't know that. He didn't know that he and his wife would go on to have 10 more children later in life. He didn't know that. He didn't know that he would live 140 years after he had had all these problems. He didn't know that he would see his children and his grandchildren to the fourth generation. He didn't know that. He had no way of knowing that his story would end up in the Bible. He didn't know that. He didn't know that one day God would group him along with Noah and Daniel as the three most righteous people in all of the Old Testament. We read that verse in Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 14. He didn't know that one day a man named James living in New Testament times would mention him by name in his book and use him as an example of perseverance. He had no way of knowing that. He didn't know that his life would inspire millions of people over the course of thousands of years. And he didn't know that one day a group of Christians gathering at the First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, on Easter Sunday, think about this, in a city that had never been founded, in a state, in a country that had never been founded, on a continent that had never been explored, he didn't know that one day a group of us on Easter Sunday would be studying his life as an example of how to make it through hopeless situations by focusing on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He didn't know any of that. But when Job wrote this 19th chapter and he wrote that 25th verse, he said, I don't know any of that, but here's one thing I know. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that. A lot I don't know, 
But there's something I do know. I know that my Redeemer lives. Now, if you take all those things Job did not know, and you wanted to kind of simplify that long list and, and, and kind of put it in some categories, we could say this. Job had no idea why he was going through what he was going through. He had no idea how long it would last or how he would make it through. He didn't know when things might get better, and he didn't even know if things ever would get better. Think about that. He didn't know why. He didn't know how. He didn't know when. He didn't know if, but he knew God. And in the midst of all this, it was his faith in God that gave him the power to press on and to persevere. Now, I want to just mention some things that Job knew when he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Well, the first thing is obvious from that phrase. It, we, he knew that God is alive. He knew that. In the midst of all this heartache, he knew God is alive. God is in heaven. God is on his throne. And if God is alive and God is on his throne, that means God is in control. You know, there are people listening to this message today, and maybe for you it's been the pandemic. Maybe it's been cancer. Maybe it's been something else going on within your family. Maybe you've lost your job because of all the craziness that's been going on. And you say, you know, John, I've come to church today because I believe in God. I love God. It's the right thing to do. I'm glad to be here. But I'll be honest with you, I'm sitting here myself wondering, God, why am I going through what I'm going through? I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet if I said, how many of you here today right now are going through something and you're asking yourself, God, why am I going through what I'm going through? There'd be a lot of people raise their hand. And some are saying, John, not only am I asking that question, I'm also asking, how am I going to make it through this? This just seems impossible. I'm also asking, when will it ever get better? Will it ever get better? I don't know any of that. And friend, you may not get the answer to those questions today, but I'll tell you one thing you can leave here knowing. You can say, you know what? The one thing I know is that God is alive. He's on his throne. He's in control. And even though I don't know or understand what's happening in my life, God knows. God understands. God cares. And God will comfort me. Now think about Job. When he said, I know that my Redeemer lives, that is a clear Old Testament reference to Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is our Redeemer. Now, I don't know how fully Job understood that he was talking about the Messiah, but he no doubt believed that there would one day be a deliverer, a Savior, a Redeemer who would come to this earth. He, he didn't understand as much as we do about Jesus, but think about this. When Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, talking about Jesus, he was saying, Somebody is alive before they've yet been born. Jesus hadn't been born in Bethlehem. In fact, Jesus had not even been conceived in his mother's womb. Job was saying, I know that the Messiah is alive even though he's not been conceived. You read that. That's why I say that's a high water expression of faith. Now, here we are on the other side of the cross. And here we've gathered today in large numbers and Christians all over the world worshiping God. And what are we saying? We are saying I know that my Redeemer lives, but we're saying that after Jesus was killed. Is that remarkable? That after someone has been killed, after someone has been buried, we're able to say, I know that he lives? Nobody can that be said of. Only Jesus could have somebody to say of him, before he was born, he's alive. And only Jesus could have someone, after they've died, have another group of people say, he's alive. You know, when Jesus walked out of that grave on that first Easter there in Jerusalem, on that resurrection Sunday early in the morning, when he walked out of that grave, think about this, Jesus did something that a man's not supposed to be able to do. He walked out of a grave. That's not supposed to happen. 
You know, one of the things that, that I do and have done for many years as a minister, you preach funerals. Had one yesterday, have one tomorrow, have one Wednesday. We have funerals, and, and typically we go with the family to the cemetery, and you have the burial there, and you put the body in the grave. But you know one thing I've never seen in all these years of doing funerals, and all these times I've done graveside services at cemeteries, I have never seen somebody come up out of the grave. If I had, I think it would have sent me to my grave right there. Because it would have freaked me out. I think, wait a second, this is the place where the living take those who have died, not the place where those who have died come back to life. But Jesus reversed that. And Jesus says, listen, you need to understand that death can't hold me down. The grave can't keep me in. I am God and I have power even over death. And Job knew that. Job knew that God was very much alive. I'll tell you something else Job knew. Not only that God was alive, Job knew that God one day, somebody needs to hear this right now, that God one day would get the last word on his situation. Now, go back to this 19th chapter in, in verse 25. I, for I know that my Redeemer lives. He knew God was living. But notice the next phrase. And he shall stand at last on the earth. You're talking about Jesus. We've been studying lately in the book of Revelation how one day Jesus is coming back to this earth at the battle of Armageddon. And he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And for a thousand years, he's going to rule. Now, notice what Job says here. He says, he shall stand at last on the earth. And that is, he's saying, one of these days, God is going to get the last word on my situation. One of these days, God is going to make everything right. And friend, let me just say to you today, one of these days, that battle you're facing, some of you here today, you may be going through depression Deep depression. And nobody would know it by looking at you because you look good and it's, everybody's happy and excited today. And yet you're battling the monster of depression today. And you're wondering, why am I going? How's, how am I going to make it? When will it end? Will it ever end? Listen, if you will focus not on your depression, not on what's causing your depression, if instead you will put your focus on God, on the risen Jesus Christ, think about this. If Jesus Christ conquered death, he can conquer your depression. Death is worse than depression. If he's conquered the greater, he can conquer the lesser. And so one of these days, God's going to get the last word on your situation. He's going to work it out. That's what Jesus did on Easter. He got the last word on death he conquered the grave. And when Jesus comes back and stands on this earth, what's he going to do? He's going to dry every tear. He's going to make every wrong right. He's going to cure every disease. And he's going to make things how God originally intended for them to be. And so Job knew that. He knew that one day, see, when you're going through a hopeless situation, and you say, you know what, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know how God's going to do this, but I believe God will intervene in this situation, and I believe that God will make this situation right. He's going to work it out if I'll trust Him, and if I'll focus on Him and do what He would have me to do. I know that God will make things right. Now, there's something else that Job knew. Now, I can't stress the importance of this. Job was living with no Bible, no church, no real support group of believers, and yet somehow in his heart, he believed in God. Maybe his parents had taught him or his grandparents, or he had seen in nature that somebody must have created all of this, and he just put his faith in God. But Job also knew 
that one of these days he would see God face to face. Now, go back to chapter, you're in 19, but look in verse number 26, because this is an amazing thing that somebody in the Old Testament could make such a clear reference to the resurrection. He said, after my skin is destroyed, or after, we might would say, after we die, notice what he said, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. In other words, Job was saying, there's coming a day when my eyes will see God. He said that in my flesh I shall see God, not just the angels, not just heaven, but he said, in my flesh, I will see God. Job was clearly looking forward to a resurrection. He was looking forward to a better day. He was looking forward to that day when he would see God face to face. Now, you still listening, by the way? Say amen. I'm just kind of trying to scoot through all that to say to you today, if you're in a battle, man, and we all go through battles, some are big, some are small, some are easier, some are just impossible, Some are personal, some are physical, some are financial, some are relational, some are emotional. I mean, some are vocational. They're just all types of battles that we go through in life. And today, if we truly knew what each other was going through today, we would be be amazed. And what God's Word is saying to us today, God is saying to us today, I know that life can be hard. I even know that the Christian life can be hard. And I know there are a lot of things that happen that don't make sense and that you don't understand. But if you will focus on the fact that Jesus Christ not only died on that cross to pay for your sins and was buried, but three days later, he came out of that grave. And if he can conquer death, I think this is the thought for us this morning. If Jesus can conquer death, he can conquer whatever problems we have in life. I mean, I think that is the, that is the message. I received a phone call back in mid-February from a lady who's been a member of our church since 1999. She and her husband, faithful attenders and members here, her name is Mary Jennings. She called me one day and left me a message and asked that I would call her back. And So the next day I did, and when she answered the phone, I said, Mary, I'm sorry I'm a day late calling you. i just be honest with you, I forgot to call you back last night, and I just now, I just now remembered. And she said, no, that's no problem. She said, I'm glad you called. She said, I need to tell you something. She said, I'm in Methodist Hospital today. She said, a few days ago, I started having terrible abdominal pain. And so with it being COVID, you know, it's just everything is so difficult. She said, I drove myself to the emergency room in Deer Park. And they did a CAT scan. And the CAT scan revealed that I had what the doctor said appears to be pancreatic cancer. And she said, John, that's bad enough. But what makes it worse is the ER doctor said it looks like that the tumor has spread to other parts of my body, and it's a very serious situation, but I've had to come to Methodist to get a biopsy, and so they can confirm or deny the, the, that report. And she said, it's COVID, and I'm down here. My family can't be with me. I'm by myself, and so they've done the biopsy yesterday. I'll get the results back. They'll either do chemo, they'll do surgery, or they'll tell me there's not anything they can do. And she said, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but she said, that's not why I'm calling you. She said, I've got doctors to figure all those things out. She said, I'm calling you today not to talk to you about my health, but to talk to you about my heart. She said, you know, John, I I love God with all my heart. She said, we've been members at First Baptist for a long time. And she said, I'm going to just say this as straightforwardly as I know how. She said, I really think that I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I I I feel that I am. 
She said, but if I'm totally honest, I have to tell you, I'm just not 100% sure that I'm saved. She said, I don't know what percentage I would give it. It's pretty high, but it's not 100%. And she said, now I'm in this hospital bed, and they're giving me these reports, and I may not have much longer on the earth, and I can't step out into eternity 85 or 90% sure that I'm saved. And she said, I've got to get this settled. And she said, through the years at church, you've talked at different times about how you used to wonder about that, and you got it settled. And she said, I'm calling you because I figure you understand this deal. I said, do I ever? I understand it. She said, would you tell me how I can know for sure that I'm saved? I said, well, Mary, absolutely. I, I said, you know, about the only thing you can do is go to Jesus in prayer and be honest with him. And say, Lord, I I think I'm saved, but I'm not sure. But I know I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and come into my heart and save me if I'm not already. And she interrupted, and she said, John, but I've done that a thousand times. I said, well, I said, I understand that, Mary, because in my life I had done that a thousand times too. I said, but the greatest lesson God ever taught me was that if I would trust Jesus to save me, I wouldn't have to keep asking him to save me. And I said, in fact, one of the, I said, that by far, not one of the greatest lesson God ever got across to me. It was like God's Spirit spoke to my spirit and said, John, the fact that you keep asking me over and over and over again to save you is an indication that you're not trusting me. Because if you were trusting me, you would quit asking me and you would just trust me and it would be done. And I said, so Mary, here's the deal. The only way that you can get this settled is to ask Jesus one last time to forgive you and save you. And at the end of that prayer, you trust him to do it. I said, now you're at Methodist Hospital. I can't get to you because of the pandemic. I'm at First Baptist. You can't get to me because you're sick. I said, but God is in both places. And if you'll pray with me right now or let me lead you to pray, she said, please lead me. I let her in the simple prayer. We prayed every week here at First Baptist. And at the end, I let her to say, Lord, not only do I ask you to save me, but I trust you. And we finished the prayer and said, amen. Paused for a moment. And I said, Mary, how do you feel? And it was like I could feel the relief coming through the phone. And she said, John, I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off of my shoulders. She said, I'm experiencing right now already a peace that I can't describe to you. And she said, John, I'm telling you, live or die, I know beyond the shadow of any doubt that I'm saved. It was one of the greatest experiences I've had during this pandemic to have that prayer time with Mary. We hung up. Days went by. The biopsy came back. The Deer Park doctor was right. It was pancreatic cancer. It had indeed spread. She was really too weak to do chemo. The surgery, it was too late to do surgery. Long story short, she ends up being sent home with doctors saying there's not anything else we can do. Family called me and said, John, we know it's the pandemic, and just, but could you at least just have a, get on FaceTime? Could we do a call on FaceTime? And I said, absolutely. So we did the FaceTime. She's in a bed there beautiful, in, in her home, beautiful crosses behind her, a, a wall of crosses behind her. Family gathered around, and uh, she at that time was not able to speak. She was pretty much out by then. But I nonetheless had prayer for her and had prayer for the family. A few days later, she slipped out into eternity to be with God. I was talking to her her daughter, Christy, and Christy said, John, my mom died on Monday morning, but I have to tell you what happened on Thursday night. She said it was the most amazing experience. She said on Thursday night, my mom was alert. She was awake. 
and she was not really medicated at that time, and she said, she was looking out her door that goes to the backyard, have a huge window on this door that goes to the backyard, and she said as she was looking out that window, she started to get excited. And we didn't know, if she, maybe if she'd seen birds flying across or a squirrel on the fence or what it was, but she just started getting really excited. And she said to us, the family was gathered around, she said, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. So the family, you know, of course, looks to, to see Jesus. They said, Where, where's Jesus? We don't see Jesus. She said, he's right there. Can't you see him? He's right there. And Christy said, the daughter said, John, it wasn't for like five seconds, but it was like five minutes. My mom was having this this, I hate to call it a vision because I think it was more than a vision. I think it was Jesus there in the flesh. And she said, Jesus was just right there outside that door. And she said, I said, well, Mom, what's he doing? And she said, Christy, and to the rest of the family, she said, he's just extending his arms out to me. She said, Jesus is there. After about five minutes later, Jesus left. And the next day, she became unconscious and, and went to be with the Lord on on that Monday. But as I heard that story, and as I thought about what Job, Job said, I know that there is coming a day in my future when in my flesh I will see God. Not just an angel, not just the pearly gates, not just the streets of gold, not just the walls of jasper, not just the disciples, not just my family who's gone before me, but there is in my future, there is coming a day when in my flesh I shall see God. And I thought that's exactly what happened to Mary. She saw God before she died. Now, I'm asking you today, you say, John, I'm not, I don't have it as bad as Job does. Well, I'm glad about that because if you did, I would be depressed if you had it as bad as what Job had. You say, I don't have it as bad as Job has it. But, man, i got something going on in my family. I've got something going on in my work. I've got something going on in my finances. I've got something going on in my life. It's not as bad as Job. But if I'm honest with you, I have to tell you, I came in here today saying I'm glad I'm here. It's exciting to be in church on the Lord's Day. But if I'm honest with you, I have to say I've been saying, God, why am I going through what I'm going Who in this room today has not been through something? We all have. Where we have said, God, why? It doesn't make sense. God, how am I going to make it through this? God, when will it ever end? God, will it ever end? And God doesn't answer those questions. But in his silence, God is saying to us to make it. You don't have to know why. You don't have to know how. You don't have to know when. You don't have to know if. All you have to know is me. And if you will focus on me, you and I will make it through this valley together. Now, somebody ought to say amen on that because that's true. If you know me, God says. Now, Job, what did Job know? 17 things. He did not know. What did he know? He knew God was alive. He knew that one of these days, God would get the word on that last word on that situation. We would say it this way from our side of the New Testament. We would say Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. There's a coming a day when God's going to stamp Romans 8.28 across this situation. Job knew that. But Job also knew that in his future one day he would see God. Now, again, I'm not asking anybody to raise their hand. But if I walk back through those three things Job knew and ask you this question, do you know what Job knew? I think everybody here today would say, yes, John, I know beyond the shadow of any doubt that God is alive. Jesus came up out of that grave. We would put a check in that box. 
I think everybody else here today would say, you know what, I know something else. Even though I don't understand how or when it will happen, I believe there's coming a day when God will get the last word on my situation. I believe that by faith. Check the box. But this third thing Job knew, and the the thing we have to ask ourselves today, do you know beyond the shadow of any doubt that there is a day in your future when you will see God. Notice Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. He didn't say, I think my Redeemer lives. I hope my Redeemer lives. My mother believes that our Redeemer lives. No, he didn't say, I pray. He didn't say, I've got my fingers crossed. No, he said, I know. You see, salvation, Bible salvation, is a no-so salvation. It's not a hope so, think so, guess so, cross your finger, close your eyes, and hope for the best. No, the apostle John said in 1 John chapter 5, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have eternal life. So many things we don't know in life. So many things we won't know until we get to heaven. But there's one thing we've got to know. We have got to know that we're saved. You say, John, I'm like Mary. I think I love God. I believe in God. But that whole thing about do I know that I know that I know, I, I don't, I'm like Mary. I don't, I don't know. What do I need to do? Here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to personalize your faith. Notice Job. I know that my Redeemer lives. Many of you have grown up in homes and your parents have you know, you've kind of been riding on the coattails of their faith. Or maybe you were involved in a church, in the pastor, in the student minister. You've kind of been riding on their faith. But it's got to become your faith. You've got to personalize that faith. And then I'll tell you something else, and I'm going to stop. You've got to publicize that faith. Listen to what Job said, in, if you've still got your Bible open, in verse 23. Job was talking now about all the things he's gone through in his life. And he's talking about his faith in God. And Job said, oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. And then the next verse, for I know that my Redeemer lives. What was Job saying? Job was saying, God is so real to me. Even in all this mess and chaos I'm in, God is so real to me and he's been so faithful to me. I wish I could just write it in a book so that people coming after I die can read how real God was to me. And God said, Job, I've got something better than writing it in a book. I'm going to write your words in the book, and it won't just be a story for the, for, for the ages. It'll be a story for all eternity that you believe in God. He said, I wish I could write it in a, engrave it in a rock. What was he saying? He was saying, God is so real to me. I wish I could write it in a book, engrave it in a rock, so that other people could know how real God is to me. 